are continuing in our summer series through the book of Proverbs this morning with a selection again. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands brings them reward. The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. A scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips it is like a scorching fire. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent, and discerning if they hold their tongues. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Thank you, Cindy. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you. I just want to echo Cindy's sentiment and say thank you to everybody who came and helped put that together. We thank the team, all everybody who came together. The, team, the leadership team did a great job. I felt like so many people were saying, wow, this is really well organized. And what just a fun event that we were able to also at the same time make a difference. Uh, if you're able to uh, attend and just be there, maybe this is your first time visiting because uh, you came out to yesterday's event, or this is one of your first few times uh, you heard about us uh, otherwise, uh, we just want to say a warm welcome to you. We're so glad you're here. Uh, we say every week, as Cindy mentioned, we are a community following Jesus together, and you're welcome wherever you're at on your spiritual journey. Uh, we'd love for this uh, growing church community to be your home as well. Well, as Cindy uh, mentioned, we are continuing our summer series today, Wisdom for Life, looking at the book of Proverbs. And we've been hitting on a number of the different practical, very relevant topics in the books. And we looked at pride. We've talked about humility. We're going to be looking at faithfulness, self-control. Uh, last week, we looked at friendships. And today, as we could tell, uh, we've come to the topic of our words and what we say, which I think means we're all in trouble. Uh, no, there's a lot of good news here, and we're going we're gonna to uh, dig into that. But first, let, let us pray. Uh, Father, thank you for uh, just this wonderful topic of considering how we can speak uh, more uh, with more wisdom. Would you, would you give us your spirit today? Would you help us to hear the things we might need to hear in the, in the places that we need to hear them? Would you, would you convict our hearts? Would you challenge us? But also in, in the areas and in ways that uh, we, we could sure use encouragement, Lord, would you speak there as well? Uh, with the understanding that this is all good news and there's a wonderful power for good in our words. Uh, so, Lord, we, we love you. Commit this time to you. We ask for your spirit, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, recently I walked into the room, and my son was there just giggling, which uh, nobody was around. You know, he's kind of off from the side, and he's just giggling, which if you're a parent, that's going to set off your spidey sense, right? <laughs> you're just going to be like, okay, what's going on here? He's seven years old, so I'm like, okay, I can't, I can't be, I don't know what that is, but I had to, like, investigate, get to the bottom of this. Uh, it turns out he was listening to the song by John Mayer called My Stupid Mouth. Uh, have you heard that song? A couple of you had? Yeah. It's a song about uh, John Mayer uh, talking about how he says so many things that all, and all it ever does is get him into trouble. He says something stupid, it gets him into trouble. He says something stupid, it gets him to, into trouble. And it's not as if he's doing that intentionally. 
or maliciously. He just says things, gets them into trouble. And so at one point in the song, uh, John Mayer kind of concludes through, through, through song. He, he says, okay, you know what? I'm never speaking up again. Like, I can't do this anymore. It just gets me into trouble. I'm never speaking up again. I'm never speaking up again, he sings, starting now. Starting now. And the song fades. That last chord goes, and John's voice kind of trails off into the distance. And if it's one of your first time, if, if it's your first time hearing the song, you're likely to believe in that moment, okay, the song's done. You know, he's learned his lesson. He's not going to talk anymore. And yet it's right in that moment that John comes blurting back out, wait, wait, one more thing. Why am I always the one getting into trouble? Like, why is it that what the things that I say get me in trouble? And so it was at this that my little seven-year-old was just howling. I mean, we're talking giggling to the point he couldn't breathe. And so, first of all, what's going through my head is, okay, I'm glad it's not something weird he got himself into. But what... But now I'm sitting there chuckling along with him, and I just want to get into my seven-year-old's head. Like, hey, what's, what's so funny? Like, tell me. Tell me about this. And he said, Daddy, this song is so silly. He's talking about how he needs to really stop talking, but he keeps talking. And he just laughs and laughs. Um, eventually, after he, he, it dies down a little bit, he says this. He says, it's as if he can't help it. It's as if, you know, the singer, as, as if John Mayer can't help saying things that are going to get him into trouble. And what, what happened from there was just a wonderful conversation with a little seven-year-old talking about how I, I was musing on the idea of maybe John didn't just write this song about his own struggle with words, but maybe he was describing how we all struggle with words, how we can all say things stupid that lands us into trouble or, or whatever it might be. And I was surprised, not really surprised, when for my seven-year-old, he was just like, boy, I could see that. Uh, because I don't think it takes a whole lot for us to see that, boy, when it comes to using words and speaking wisely— this is a struggle. This is a challenge for all of us. Um, and so what we're going to do today is look at Proverbs because Proverbs has so much to say into this, so much helpful things to say into this, in, into this topic, into this area in our lives that just permeates all things. I mean, all of our relationships, words are so vitally important, and Proverbs it helps us in this. So what we're going to look at really are two things. Uh, Proverbs shows us the power of words and how to speak wisely. Okay, so we're gonna look at the power of words and how to speak wisely. So first, the power of words. Here's kind of the proverb that, that, that kind of summarizes this thought. Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and th those who love it will eat its fruit. Uh, that's saying you and I aren't wise unless we fully grasp the power of words. Uh, our words have the power to bring life, that is build up, serve, care for, and love other people, as they do have the power of death, that is to tear people down, to destroy, to hurt. Uh, first thought I want to focus on when it comes to the power of words is how our words can harm. Our words can, can really harm people. Proverbs 12, 18 says, the words of the reckless pierce like swords. Uh, that's a really interesting illustration that kind of helps us get at the power of words in that it's like they can wound like swords. They can just kind of cut through and get to the very core of us, can't they? They can just hurt. And one commentator was, was saying it this way, like, in like the wounds of a sword, what can happen is it's not as if we can really take it back. It's not as if you could ever say, well, man, I never said that. No, those words can leave wounds, even scars. Uh, our words can harm. Uh, there was this blog that I came across a while back of a gal talking about the power of words in her own life. And she's talking about a season in her life that, that spanned a few years. I mean, we're talking several years where she was just in deep, deep, dark depression. 
Just life was really hard for her for a long time. And you want to know what the cause of that was in her life? It was one roommate uttering the words to her, you are such a difficult person. And that's a handful of words that just drove her into a place of just real depression. Now, in that blog, she herself admitted that those words shouldn't have had the impact that, it, that the, they happened to have in her life. Still, the thought remains, the point remains, that words can have that impact in, in lives of those around us and in our own lives. Think about all the kids that grow up under the shadow of words spoken to them when they were younger by a parent, caregiver, a teacher, whatever, that leads them throughout their lives to, ha- to, to battle anxiety or battle uh, uh, lack of confidence issues. Um, I wonder if there are any words that you can recall uh, said to you when you were younger that have impacted your life in ways like these. Our words can harm. Uh, Proverbs sixteen twenty seven says, A scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips it is like a scorching fire. Uh, that's to say that the harmful things that we can say can, can, can easily get out of control and spread like fire. Uh, and in the very next verse, it goes on to talk about how this comes through in gossip. Uh, look at uh, uh, Proverbs 16, 28. If a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Again, Proverbs 18, the words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Uh, here's what's so important to understand about gossip and the harmful effects it can have. Gossip doesn't have to be false. Gossip doesn't have to be untrue statements to have the impact of harm and even spread like fire. Uh, Gossip can be true. What the Bible shows us is that gossip is, is whether or not it's true, it's any negative thought that will make the person speaking it and and its uh, listener uh, feel superior to the person who is the, the target of that gossip. Uh, and so we have to be really careful because what happens is when we put down others, when we belittle them for whatever sake, maybe it's just puffing ourselves up, maybe it's just to feel good, whatever it might be, like choice morsels, just feels good. Um, it's not only not right, it's incredibly destructive. I was talking to someone this week who was telling me how uh, when she grew up, when she was real little, her parents used to get into fights and not only that, but after the fight, one of her parents would come up to her and say to her as she's, as she's this little girl, oh, and by the way, wasn't it wrong that the other, your other parent did this? You following me? Like, wasn't it bad? You know, that, and this, this gal who was sharing this to me was saying that, man, it's had a huge impact on her life, such that she just doesn't want to live that way. She wants relationships not to go that way and just to be real careful, um, it, it impacted her then. It still impacts her today. Now, why do we do these things? Because we all do these things. Why do we, why do we go and say, hey, what, that's a person? Why, why, why do we do that? Whether it's true or not, why do we do that? Often, it's just to justify ourselves, maybe to vindicate ourselves, or maybe it is just to vent. But the, pro- the problem is that can have the destructive power like a scorching fire affecting others, hurting others. Um, and I would just say this, church family, if I could, uh, Gossip, we need to be especially mindful of gossip. Um, It has been said that gossip is like cancer to the body of Christ. Uh, You don't have to have grown up in the church to realize the effects gossip can have. Um, We have to be extra careful and watching for it. Uh, A couple of questions. When was the last time you were were paying attention for gossip? You know, isn't it interesting that it calls it like a choice morsel that goes down? 
That's just something we just slip into. Whether we're saying it or we're just listening to it, it's just easy to be like, oh, man, this is nice, and not even think about it. When was the last time you were paying attention for gossip? And here's another question. Are you able to distinguish gossip from non-slanderous evaluation? And by the way, when gossip does occur, and let's say you're the listener, how would you respond? Like, what's a, what's a wise way to respond? Uh, loving way to respond. Uh, gossiping is, is just so tempting. We can easily slip into it. It, ha- it has a destructive cost. Uh, here's another thing, and I'll, I'll spend much uh, shorter time on this, that, that can be destructive and harmful, like a scorching fire, is flattery. Uh, listen to Proverbs 29.5. Those who flatter their neighbors are spreading nets for their feet. Isn't that interesting? It's talking about how when we flatter people, we're actually setting them up for these traps that they can fall into. Uh, flattery, just so we all have a definition, is lavishing insincere praise uh, or compliments upon someone, especially to further our own interests. And that can be like setting a trap for somebody, or what does it say here? Spreading nets for their feet, because instead of giving someone an accurate picture of their strengths and weaknesses, we're actually failing to show them an, a realistic view of, them, of themselves. Uh, we got to be real careful. Um, our words have the power to harm but our words also have a great uh, uh, potential to bring healing. Um, again, our, our, our verse up there was Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of death, yes, but also the power of life. Listen to Proverbs 12, 14. From the fruit of their lips, people are filled with good things, and the work of their hands bring them reward. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. So our, wounds, uh, excuse me, our, our words can wound, uh, but they can also heal. The tongue can be as, soothe, as soothing as a tree of life. It, it can be like fruit to us, food that nourishes us. Uh, we need good words to live. Um, listen to a post that, that Cindy shared with me uh, from Mike Foster, who's kind of a leadership and uh, author and, and, and uh, a speaker. He, he, quotes, he quoted somebody else, a guy named Brooke Hampton, saying this, Speak to your children as if they are the wisest, kindest, most beautiful, and magical humans on earth. For what they believe is what they will become. Any other parent feeling convicted by that? Um, But what a helpful thought. Speak of your children, wisest, kindest, most beautiful, magical humans on earth, because what they believe they will become. And this is what he said in in, in response to that, kind of in the comic section uh, of his post. He said, our kids are loaded with endless potential. Adults, parents, and teachers will help be a launch pad or a prison jailer. Our words will help them either fly high or lock them down. Every day, let's be the ones who help them believe in their magic. Isn't that a great thought? Of course, this is not only true with our relationships to kids, but our our relationships with everybody. Uh, Here in this church, uh, in the workplace, uh, all of our interactions that that we have on a regular basis. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. Now, remember, this is written 3,000 years ago when honey was the thing. You know, when you talk about food, honey was the bomb. Actually, when the, the, the people of God were coming into the promised land, how is that land hyped up? You remember if you've read the scriptures? It's the land flowing with milk and honey. And there's all these stories across the Bible of these characters coming across honey. And when they eat it, they're like, oh, I could die now. Like, honey was it. So what, this, this illustration is going to land more for you foodies out there, but like what's a food that for you, when you eat it, you're like, man, I'm in heaven. Yesterday we had banchan chicken at the event. For some of you, I know that's, that's your honey. I actually think honey might be in the ingredients in the, in the batter, but that's another thing. It's like, um, what's food? It's like you just feel, you're like, oh man, this is heaven. It's that feeling, that thought, that beauty 
that Solomon, the writer here, writer here, is saying, gracious words are to our souls, down to the deepest core, down to our bones. Gracious words will speak to us. Gracious words. Have you ever received a gracious word from somebody? Gracious word, a word you didn't really uh, deserve. Maybe you, you ran into a little bit of trouble with somebody, and they, and they said, you know, it's okay. They forgave you. They're gracious to you. Now do you see how that can be like honeycomb down to the bones? But how is it we often don't extend those words of grace? When we could, when we could. Uh, but it's not just gracious words. It's just any good words. They're like a tree of life. Uh, how many of us can think of words of encouragement spoken to us, maybe a timely word of affirmation or of praise that influenced a, a part of your life, maybe a career trajectory, maybe a, a, a personal life, a relationship that you're in, somebody just encouraging you, or maybe someone spoke words that strengthened you when you were going through just some really hard times. Words have, have the great power and potential to bring life, to restore and to give healing. They are fruits on the lips, tree, the tree of life, honeycomb, sweet to the soul. Uh, you know, this is the power of words. And before we move on and, and get a little bit more practical in terms of how we can speak wisely and, and looking at some of the, the ways that Proverbs helps us in that, I just want to pause for a second and consider what the power of words helps us think about. It helps me think about. I mean, for starters, it's helping me realize that there's a lot of things, man, I need to be real careful not to say. But you know what? I already knew that. <laughs> And I need to work on those things. I need to feel convicted and challenged by those things. And I'm hoping that those things take root. I, I can take those to heart and I can, I can live from those things. But here's something that I hadn't considered as much. There's a lot of things of beauty, life, and potential that I can step into now. This week with relationships. To bring real hope, love, joy, and even influence somebody for the sake of, of helping them, caring for them, loving them. In what ways might... God be stirring in your heart to use your words uh, to help love and care for others. That's the power of words. Second thought we're going to be looking at is how to speak wisely. And we're just going to look at a few, few thoughts here from the Proverbs and, and, then, and then close. How to speak wisely. First, it starts with the heart. Um, I had scheduled this week to uh, listen to the Audible book, Crucial Conversations. Have any of you guys read that book? It's a really good book. I only got about halfway. Again, I started this week. But from what, what I have read, I think I'm pretty safe. safe I feel safe to go ahead and recommend it to you. It's, it's a good book. But the whole concept of the book is we need to learn and equip ourselves uh, uh, for crucial conversations, these conversations where stakes run high and emotions run high too. So not only are the stakes higher, but we, we tend to be less equipped to be able to handle these conversations. Um, and so they, they start in the first few chapters, the, the authors, uh, laying the case for why we need to care and why we need to take this seriously. And then they jump into, okay, let's talk about this practically. How can we, you know, live in light of these crucial conversations? How can we equip ourselves? You want to guess the very first thing they said? They said, it starts with the heart, which is really interesting because they're saying, hey, we know, readers, you're going to want to hear all the tips. You're, you're going to want to hear little pieces of uh, nuggets of wisdom for us to say, hey, try doing this. In crucial conversations, do that. I know this is counterintuitive, they said, but start with the heart. Now, if you've been coming and listening as we've been going through the book of Proverbs, that shouldn't sound counterintuitive to you because that's what Proverbs has been saying since the very first chapter. It starts, it almost ends with the heart, too. Uh, listen to Proverbs 4. Uh, it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. 
Proverbs 17, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. What kind of person is even-tempered? It's the person who can handle it when things are coming at them. Wouldn't you say? Uh, An even-tempered person is somebody who is cognizant that we can easily become overly influenced, even overcome, by our emotions Uh, when we're speaking. A hot-spirited person is excitable and patient and insistent on having their say now. A cool-spirited person is calm and patient. Proverbs 15.1 says it this way, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Let me ask you a question. When you're faced with somebody's wrath or their anger, how are you feeling in the moment? (laughs) You know, if you're human, you know, you're probably feeling, or at least at minimum, tempted to feel worked up by it. Wouldn't you say? Uh, Because they're coming at you? you. What's your tendency? What's my tendency? It's to get defensive. Hey, wait a minute. How dare they, right? Um... Maybe you get defensive, maybe you attack back, but if someone's angry and harsh with us, our tendency is to be angry and harsh back. But Proverbs says you want to learn to speak wisely, recognize that that's a tendency, and have a gentle answer. It starts with the heart. A gentle answer will turn away wrath. Think of it this way. Let's say someone's really tearing into you, right? They're bringing the wrath. They're bringing the anger. And you, in turn, want to communicate back to them. You have something you want to, sh- you, you want to get across yourself, whether it is you want, you, know, you want them to back off or maybe you just want to express your own point of view, whatever the case may be. Do you think when they're bringing that anger, that heat at you, that if you return that in kind, they're going to hear a whole bunch of that? <laughs> or change? I mean, that's where the wisdom of Proverbs comes in. As it starts with the heart. It starts with recognizing in our own heart this tendency to become overcome by emotion and become overcome by these feelings that can lead us to uh, down a direction with our words that is actually not in the direction we want to go anyways or is helpful to our own selves, let alone to the other that we want to also care for and love even even in challenging circumstances like that. It's a gentle answer that turns away wrath. It's those who are even tempered who can get through to someone. Uh, you know, here's, a, here's what one Bible scholar said. Boy, this is, if this is worth everything right here. If you just want to hear one thing, I don't think it'll be on your board. Uh, the wise know what they have to say may be true and crucial, but they also know God is in charge, and only he can open hearts. Uh, did you hear that? The wise know what they have to say may be true and crucial, but they also know God is in charge, and only he can open hearts. If someone's attacking us, if wrath is coming down... Let's just come with a gentle answer and try our best to love and care for him because that's actually the best path, most practically helpful path forward anyways, let alone the most loving towards them. It starts with the heart. Second thought here in terms of learning to speak wisely is Proverbs says over and over, often less is more. Okay, this is repeatedly. The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Here's my favorite. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. That's saying often less is more. You, you remember the late great prophet, notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, when he said, mo money, mo problems. What we're saying here is more words, more problems. Um, look, I'm the fourth of six children. Okay? I'm very extroverted. <laughs> this is a growth area for me. I'll, I'll come out right now. Less is more. Any of you guys extroverted or whatever? I have been trying to learn, I hope and with God's help I'm better at this, that I don't just have to fill silent space. 
or just say my opinion because, hey, you wanted to hear that, right? You know, this is an area of mine, actually. Uh, earlier on, Cindy used to do this little digging thing. Like, when I'd get myself, I'd say something that would lead me into trouble. She, earlier on, she'd be like this. It's like, David, you're, get, you're just going deeper. Just stop. Now she just gives me the look, like, and it's just like, just stop. Um, I think she's giving me that look now. But no, she's not. She's, she's, not, she's not giving me that look. Um, often, less is more because it keeps us out of trouble. But often, less is more because it helps us help others. Um, if I'm only ever talking, the other's not talking, <laughs> and I'm not able to hear help and love and care for them. I have a buddy who's really good at this, like really good at this, and he himself is, by the way, extroverted. It's not like he's mute, right? I mean, he's, he, he's so good at listening to people and getting out from them what they're thinking, what they're feeling, just talking to them. In fact, he's a leader, and so people naturally look to him to talk, and yet what does he do? He often turns it back on them. Practically speaking, yeah, he's really good at asking a lot of questions. And what's really interesting is you talk to people that he hangs out with, and everybody's always like, that guy's so encouraging. He doesn't say a whole lot of words of like, hey, I just want to speak a word of encouragement to you. He just is helping people speak. That's encouraging. Why? Because we often want to speak ourselves, and rarely do we get to have someone ask and hear from us. Um, are you the type of person who just needs to talk all the time, or are you able to use restraint? And are you able to listen to others, even drawing it out of them to bring out what's in them to the table? Uh, how do we speak wisely? Uh, it starts with the heart. Often less is more. Thirdly, timing matters. Uh, we got to watch the timing. Uh, the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word? When we speak, timing really matters. Uh, allow me to use more of a sober example here. I, I, was, I was reading this last week uh, on Facebook, which always gets you into trouble. You just kind of go down that, that, that uh, rabbit trail. Uh, but I was, I was reading uh, about my buddy who had actually gone through some really, really hard things. Uh, last we saw him about eight, seven, seven years ago, uh, he and his wife had lost their uh, toddler to uh, a rare form of cancer. So it was just a really hard time. Uh, we knew them when we lived in China, and then we actually got to spend some time with them when they were seeking treatment in New York. Just a really hard, gut-wrenching time, okay? Um, a lot of people were visiting them during that time. A lot of people were really just trying to reach out to them and love and care for them as best they can. He started a blog uh, shortly after that time. By the way, he's doing, they're doing well now, all things considered. They have three uh, little ones. Um, they're, they're doing well. Um, but obviously, that was a really hard time. And he, and he used a blog to kind of not only just work through his own thoughts, thoughts kind of uh, therapeutically, but also just to share, hey, how can you help people who are going through hard times? And one of his blog posts I was reminded of this week was he was talking about how often we can say really good things, but it's at the wrong time. <laughs> So he had a lot of folks come, and with him and his wife, he knew they were well-intended folks, well-meaning folks, but they would say things like, hey, it's all going to be okay. And he was just saying, can I be real with you guys as you read this post? That's the last thing I need to hear right then. Like, did I, did I believe in my heart of hearts that things were going to be okay? And is that, is that like, you know, a good word on the surface? Yeah, sure, but not then. Or some of, some of his Christian friends would come and say, you know, just have faith. Which again, he's like, do, do I real, did I recognize even at that time that I just needed to have faith? Yeah, I recognize I, I needed to have faith. But that wasn't the right time to say it. He said, what can you guys do? What you can do is just be with them. 
Just be with people like us. Just care. Just sit in it with us. You don't have to have the answer to that. Um, you know, I know it's a heavier example, but that's just a, that's just a good way of getting at it. There, there's just a time and place for things. I mean, things can be wonderful, really well-intended, good things that people do need to hear. But we've got to find the right time, the appropriate time for saying these things. Um, and, and be skillful in doing that. For instance, if you have something you need to say to somebody, is one way I've just kind of been thinking about it practically. You know, ask, you know, how their week's going before, so you get a little bit of context of what state of mind or emotional state they're in before sharing this or that. Um, there are any number of different occasions when the best wisdom is not to speak much at all. Um, it might be a situation such that nearly any word uh, would just make things worse. Maybe it's in situations where you're being overly familiar with somebody, saying things that you really don't have the right to say based on the relationship at that point. Or it might be situations where something said publicly should have been saved for private. Uh, timing matters. Um, so do you have a tendency towards speaking too quickly? Or maybe do you have a tendency towards speaking too slowly? Because if we speak too quickly, chances are we're just being impatient. And if we speak slowly, chances are we're scared or we're timid. In learning to speak, we need to understand that timing matters. Uh, another thought, we need to be willing to go there, but go there in love. Proverbs 25 says, like an earring of gold or an ornament of fine gold, it is the rebuke, uh, is the rebuke of a wise judge to a listening ear. And that whoever rebukes a person will in the end gain favor rather than one who has a flattering tongue. Have you ever noticed that? That when you say something, maybe you go there with somebody, you do speak up, uh, it's done thoughtfully and carefully, but when you do go there, you've actually, in the end, gained more respect and favor. Is that, has that ever happened to you? Again, it has to be done with thought and care, but when that happens, it, it often garners favor and respect. Why is that? Well, because only a fool would only want people around them that all they ever do is flatter. People who are wise will understand that they are imperfect people, that we are all works in progress. Therefore, we need people in our lives who can say things that we need to hear. Again, with love and care when the timing's appropriate, but will point things out to us. Uh, I was listening to a podcast that Cindy's gotten me uh, into by Jeannie Allen. It's really, really interesting. Um, and this, this gal was talking about this. This church leader was talking about how uh, earlier on in her life, she just hated it when people came and, and spoke truth to her. She just hated it. And it just would just butt, it would just make her want to butt heads with people. But by this point in her life, uh, uh, she said, I, I, I know that people who are doing this really care. Uh, sometimes truth is hard, but I've learned to value those people in my life who will say what is true because I know that it will make me better. Um, sometimes we need to be willing to go there. Uh, last thought, and then we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up here. Uh, Proverbs shows us that we need to look to learn from, and reflect on God's Word. This is undoubtedly, uh, from a Proverbs point of view, the most important of all these things. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. Proverbs 15, 2, The tongue of the wise adorns knowledge, but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Uh, when we add this thought with Proverbs 2, 6, and 16 in mind, uh, for the Lord gives wisdom, and it's from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. And then to humans belong plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. We are now within sight of this classic, famous saying in the book of Isaiah that says, the sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. 
He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. That is to say, it is good to study Proverbs. It's good to study the Bible because what we have here are the words of life. And not just life here and now, but for all eternity. And life to the fullest. And so what Proverbs is, is, is encouraging us toward is, hey, let's spend time here. Christ followers, we got to be diligent to spend time here to learn from God's word because it is the word of life. It is words for the weary and honeycomb for the soul. And of course, the best place, not only to learn by example, but also to sink into our hearts and to draw our source from to be able to do any of this is to look at Jesus himself. Why? Because in John's account, he starts by saying, Jesus is literally the word become flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. What did Jesus, the Word become flesh, come to say to us? Was it to speak harshly towards you and me? Was it to speak with anger? Was it come, did He come with, with words that were to pierce like a sword to our inmost being? Did he bring words of death? No, he brought words of life, that we could have life in his name. Uh, I, was, I was thinking about this this week, and I was remembering a time when I was studying the word uh, recently on the, of the account right before Jesus went to the cross. He was wrongfully accused and told uh, he needed to be executed, and he was standing before Pilate, the Roman governor, and, and Pilate comes to Jesus, and he says, hey, everybody's saying all these harsh things towards you, every, you know, accusing you in these ways. Uh, there's a lot of wrath out there, essentially. He said, Jesus, what do you say? And it was one of the very few times Jesus didn't say anything. And you want to think about often, less is more. You want to think about timing matters. Here's the gospel. In that moment, Jesus didn't say anything. Why? Because if he had, they could have only let him go. But the gospel was he held his tongue there. He didn't say a word that would have made him step free for the sake of taking the punishment that we deserve for the things that we say, for the things that we do. That is the gospel, that the word made himself flesh to lay down his life to give us the words of life in him, that if we believe in his name, that if we believe what he has done for us on the cross, we can receive eternal life with him a restored relationship. If you want to talk about words of healing, you want to talk about words of the tree of life, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And you can receive that today if you would choose. And if you have received that today, there is nothing greater, there's no better place to look to as an example, but also as a source of power to actually begin to live out the things we're all talking about today. Because let's be real, this is all a challenge. This is all a challenge. But the beauty of all of this is it's undergirded by God not sending his wrath, not sending uh, words of, of death, but words of life and power to lift us up and care for us when we didn't deserve it. And so if he's done that for us, we can begin to extend that to others. Uh, how might God be stirring in your heart today to respond to this? How might he be moving in you to think about your words in whatever relationship today? What I'd encourage you to do is think about, even in this time of prayer, one relationship. We talked about a lot, and I hope a lot of that just kind of sits and sinks, and we can meditate in our souls about it, and when it's, when it's helpful, we can lean into it in different areas of our life. But just for the sake of just letting this, a, a truth sink home, what's one relationship we could think about today where our words could, we, could, we can impact things in a, in, a, in a 
way of life. Um, one relationship. Is it something that we need to think about in terms of our, starting with our heart? Is it a timing issue? Is it a willingness to go there? Um, let's pray. Father, thank you for these words of life. Thank you for the word of life seen in Jesus. Thank you that the gospel is really, we deserve wrath because of all the things that we do that are, uh, are essentially our way of spewing anger and wrath towards you. So we, we in, a way, in a sense, deserve your wrath. Why? Because we say things, let alone do things, that are constantly hurtful and harmful to others, let alone you. And yet, how did you respond in that? With wrath? No. A gentle answer. Boy, that gentle answer even being your son coming to die for us and lay down his life for us. So let me start, actually. I want to give you a time and space. If you're here today and you've never received Jesus and what he has done for you, uh, you can do that here in this time. I'll pray for you. But this is a time when you can say, God, I, I, don't, I want to receive what Jesus has done for me on the cross, the forgiveness of sins, a restored relationship with you. And if you'd like to receive that, you can indicate that now by raising your hand. It's not that raising your hand saves you. That's something that happens in the heart as we receive what he's done. But I want to give you opportunity if you'd like to receive what Jesus has done for you on the cross. In this moment, I'll see it and I'll pray for you. You can raise your hand. Let's pray. Father, we, we, we really do need help uh, with all of this. Uh, Lord, for those of us who have put our faith in you, Lord, would you be our guide? Would you be our model? Would you be our strength? Uh, when it's hard to speak words of life, would you remind us of the cross and what you've done for us? Would you help us lean into the power of words that you've given us? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.